0: You want to learn more about effective management? Head over to MadSingers.com and sign up for my free management training.
1: Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from MadSingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review.
0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today I'm joined by Patrick Kilner. Welcome, Patrick. Matt, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Fantastic to have you. And uh, Patrick, you are a fan of some of the same things as me when it comes to network relationships, and you've run a bunch of really cool businesses. Uh, but just before we get into all the meat and potatoes, would you mind giving the audience a little bit of background about yourself so they know more about who you are? Absolutely.
1: I cut my teeth in the real estate world. So I got into real estate about 20 years ago prior to the big crash of 2008 and uh, and was doing everything from commercial to land to uh, development as well as residential. And um, long story short, failed my way forward, Uh, came up with a system that enabled me to grow. Through the recession, and 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 actually grow through really great people in both my company that I was building, as well as through some of the external talent that I was able to surround myself with, and uh, you know to speak about networking. I'm sure we're going to get into some of this, but that then allowed me to accelerate and 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 grow um, a real estate brokerage, get into title, get into um, you know some. All sorts of uh, really cool tangential businesses to that, and it's all been as a result of the great people I've been able to surround myself with, and and as serendipity, providence, whatever you want to call it, happened. I I what I realize is that folks who have endured their own difficulties in the market, we oftentimes call them disruptions, all live by. a a certain standard in how they network and how they build relationships and how they build their own influence and so that's a little bit about my background and how i you know how i've been able to get through some some serious disruptions in my own career and both on the personal side as well as on the professional side because it's going to happen to us no matter what as a small business owner as a manager of people as as a leader If you put yourself out there, you're going to face disruption of one kind or another. The question then for me has been, and this has become my relative obsession, I wrote a book about it, um, is how to avoid disruption through the right relationships.
0: Yep, that sounds good. What's the name of the book?
1: The name of the book is Find Your Six. And the subtitle, and this, this will rub on purpose, some people kind of funny, It's stop lead generating and start building influence. And um, so I take a shot at what I think oftentimes we call in business lead generation, um, which is a term that's been around basically since the mid 1970s. We actually didn't use the term lead generation prior. And, um, and, And that has deeply affected how we actually network and grow our businesses today. Um, and and all the way for, for the last really 40 years, it's been a huge impact on on how we think. And what I begin with in the book is that if you are still doing the type of lead generation that is served up to you and has been served up to you since really the early 1980s, you are disruption prone in this market because technology is going to eat your lunch.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would say this way. So I built my first two businesses to both solid six figures from networking alone despite living in the internet age and despite being an online entrepreneur i literally didn't even have a website uh, onto mm-hmm. the businesses were well, into multiple six figures right um so that was i i totally agree with your whole sort of networking focus and so on right because i think it's one of those things that i, I think most people overlook. but I mean, people have many different ways of looking at networking in general, but I see particularly many small entrepreneurs being so, so tied up in the actual business and doing things that they overlook networking. And it's just, for me, it's just one of the most valuable things you can do as a business owner, particularly in a small business, particularly if you don't have a ton of people around you already who are in a similar situation and, and, you know, even people to just talk to on a day-to-day basis, right?
1: right and and because we spend so much time, be time behind screens we're actually really bad at networking we're, we're not very good at it and so there's a couple obstacles that's one obstacle is we're just not practiced at it as much as previous generations have been and we are or when we think about networking networking we think about it through the lens of what goes on in linkedin which is not bad it's just not deep and depth is what provides the 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 moat around the castle that you're building of your business when disruption hits that's one big issue the really the the other big issue is that we actually see networking as business owners as people who who are driving the business forward as the easy way out or at least in our minds we think this is just the easy way out we don't see it as work maybe uh you know i want to be really highly efficient so the sort of the 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 cult of efficiency oftentimes disdains the idea of of networking and and i think that's a that's a poor understanding of networking again because we don't do it systematically enough with enough focus and we don't know who we're looking for when we're looking for that talent just like when we're looking for people internally we wouldn't dream of not having a really great system well externally we have to have that same system and when you shift into
0: talent mode externally it's a totally different game well so how who should we be targeting so if you're a small business owner who are the right people to target and how do you find them well
1: and this is the million dollar question right you know who who should i be focused on and the answer will be different depending on the industry however what what I developed in, in studying this and, and talking to hundreds of business owners and, and looking for clues and really as to how they built their businesses and careers to be disruption-proof, I came up with a paradigm that I call the influencer pyramid. And it's really a lens through which you can see talent, external and internal. Um, and the, the influencer pyramid, so you imagine a pyramid it has a big base and then it goes up to a smaller peak. And what I what I propose to people in the book and when I, when I talk to business owners is that you wanna focus on the peak of the pyramid, not at the base of the pyramid. At the base of the pyramid is where most of the people who you know, who you might consider networking with are at the base of the pyramid. At the top are the best possible, most impactful people for your business. We're really good at networking with sort of the general crowd, right? That's sort of what marketing is. We're, we're getting the word out to as many people as possible. It's a volume play. At the top is a very different messaging. It's a very different person that you're speaking to. And so you have to really curate that content, if you will, to use the marketing concept for people at the top. Now, who are those people? How do you know who they are? The three ways that I, I talk about finding those people are first, really understanding how long those people have been in the marketplace. One thing that I found is that people who have been at their craft in the marketplace, in whatever marketplace you're in, you're you're managing a company, you own a company, no matter where you are, and you're looking to network with people. You wanna find people who've been in the marketplace for a little while. It doesn't mean that new people can't be helpful, but you wanna see if they have the potential to be this type of person. Here's this type of person. It's people who Because of the the nature of their work, they clock a lot of hours with their staff or their clients or other people they have influence for or with. So, for example, uh, you're trying to break into a new neighborhood. Well, somebody who runs the HOA or the the Citizens Association there (laughs) is going to be a really great person because they clock a lot of hours with some very influential people at the neighborhood level. Take it to, you know, maybe you're you're in the legal field. And I've, I've got a great friend who, who decided, you know, I'm new to the legal field. He's a young attorney. I'm going to become the membership person for this organization for attorneys in my area. And because of that, he had a lot of access to people as well as time that he could spend with those people. And he became a real influential people, a people person, if you will, in that world. For me in my business, um, one of the one of the secrets that I found was that financial advisors, I mean, they clock hours with their clients over many, many years. And when they establish that longevity with clients, gosh, those clients trust them at a higher level. And that's the second piece of the puzzle. So the first piece is longevity. Are you dealing with people that have very short-term time with their clients, so less than a day or less than a week, or do people have a month or more time clocked with their clients? That's the first thing. The second, which is very, very closely related is the trust that they establish. And oftentimes longevity is a, is a really important indicator of trust? Now you can have people that hang out with, you know, all sorts of folks, but don't build a lot of trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you gotta be careful of that. There's people who will look like they could be influential because they're in the marketplace a long time because they have a big book of business with lots of clients however it doesn't necessarily mean that they're trusted by those people and there's three types of trust that i talk about in the book one is sort of the at the very base of the pyramid transactional trust this is you have to have enough trust to go and get your burger from five guys and know that it's not going to be undercooked that's transactional trust bonus trust is just above that sort of middle of the pyramid and bonus trust is 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 oftentimes confused for really high level trust. These are people who, it's a bonus to them in their business, either fiscally or sort of in terms of human relationships. If you trust them, so I've got great folks who may inspect properties for me, or who do title work for me. Um, you might have somebody who does some outsourcing for you, and it's a bonus if you trust them, but it doesn't make or break their year if you don't trust them at the highest possible level. And then then at the top of the pyramid, at the very top, there's what I call fundamental trust. And this is trust that very few people actually establish. And this is the trust that is most deeply transferable from one great professional to another. So for example, you may be looking to break into into a certain industry, start a new company. If you're looking for people who have established great trust in and around that industry, when they put their name to you, you've got that appointment with whoever they are going to put their name to. And that, that, so one thing to ask yourself is who do I know who habitually establishes fundamental level trust in my industry or in tangential industries? And then find the sort of the final piece of, of the, of this puzzle or the. The influencer pyramid is how people approach their work and this is a really important one I think especially in the age of of, of people working from home um, and there's three levels at the base again there's sort of the work it mentality these are people yep. sort of the nine to five I show up it's a, it's a very transactional relationship with my employer um, I don't have a lot of skin in the game it's a good functional relationship though. Above that is sort of the managerial run it types. They run things, they get things done, but at the end of the day, it's pretty mercenary. And if the ship is going down, they're probably jumping off and going to find a a new job. They're not going down with a ship. They don't have nearly as much skin in the game as the people maybe who founded the company or the people who, who are on a partner track and have decided, You know what i have an own it mentality or an owner's mentality towards this whole thing so i've got people in my organizations and i love saying this who don't own the company but who definitely have an owner's mindset towards the work that they do and that actually increases their influence so i love that those are the three and you can see how this works both with internal talent as well as external talent that you're trying to build your business through yeah 100
0: percent and i can i can definitely see it because because when you're realistically right when you're when you're looking at people when you're looking at network and so on uh i've never actually heard about networking being split up like this but it totally makes sense the way you're explaining it and talking through it right um i i think again like personally i've i've looked at networking generally much more broadly and and my experience is you know the more people you talk with in general the more great things will happen Um uh, right but yeah it it I, I'm, I'm sure the more purposeful you are around it, the the better outcome you get, right? So sure,
1: and look, there's always quality in the quantity,
0: yeah. And so you
1: have to be right. I, you you know how this feels, Mads, you, when you're looking for a position and you're hiring out of pain. Usually, that pain is happening in part because you don't have a deep enough talent pool, and so you're hiring the first person you can come across, um, and that. It doesn't always work out that well. And so if, however, if you have 20 candidates for a position, well, now you actually have a view of the marketplace of talent that, that, that you, you have clarity on who's at the top of that pyramid and who's at the bottom. And the same is true when it comes to networking. What's really awesome about that is your investment ratio for people at the top of the pyramid is very, very small. So when you find really, really talented people, And let's say you're in a referral relationship with that person, you're in a one-to-one relationship where you're giving and they're giving, and it's just going back and forth. And it's a beautiful thing. We know how that feels when we have somebody in our company who you give them something and they own it entirely. And what they bring back to you is even better than something that you would have thought of. It's awesome. And the same is true with the networking side of it and and building your, your influence externally. At the bottom of the pyramid, we're, this is a marketing paradigm, right? You know, how many people do I need to touch daily, right? This is the lead generation concept. I'm going to make 200 calls. I'm going to get two people to sign up for my service today, right? So it's a total, and that's the lead gen model is highly inefficient and ends up being giving us relationships that that start out much colder. And so we have to cultivate them a whole lot more in the hopes that they're gonna become highly efficacious, right? So it's a much more transactional sort of mercenary reality. At the top, you're in it together and, and you're doing great things together. You know, think about the, m- the mentors that you have. They're at the top of your pyramid as well. And so we can apply this to certainly to, to mentorship as well. You know, if you're if you're a young young person getting into an industry, the first place you should look is you know to 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 build your business is the wisest people that you know, and wisdom is transferred through great minds. Um, yes, you can read lots of books, you can listen to awesome podcasts, but that dialogue with another great mind who who is excited about your growth. It's a game changer. And I know for my yeah. for me, I wouldn't be where I where I am
0: without great mentors as well. Yeah. I I totally love that. And I think I think fundamentally I love again I love the way you go through it, right? Because I think again, it's it's so it's a simple framework, but it's also good. I I one of my favorite at networking events is, you know, who would you really like to meet here? Like what's the type of person or what's the what's the type of person that could be a game changer for you? And again, if you haven't really thought through this stuff it's probably hard to know, right? Uh, And and the thing is, if you walk into a room and you don't know who would be the most desirable type of people to meet, then you're definitely less likely to meet them, right? Whereas if you have a good idea, you know, anyone working in this area, anyone doing this sort of thing, whatever, if you have a good idea, you're more likely to actually scope them out and even notice them if they're actually around you, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and it can be very intimidating, right? Uh, You know, I want to meet, this person who has all this responsibility, who everybody thinks is just just phenomenal in the industry. What can I offer them? I just got into it. I'm just starting or gosh, uh, you know, how do you how do you turn your competitors into advocates for you in an industry? You know, all of this, it can be super intimidating, unless you know how to cultivate the relationship effectively. And that's really the next part. One is identifying who we're looking for, right? And that's why the pyramid is is really essential to understand. Once you understand who you're looking for and that your problem is a who, it's not a new piece of technology. It's not, you know, it's, not, it's oftentimes not even a new skill. You're probably skilled enough to have launched your company and to know your craft well enough to get into the business. You're looking yeah. for a who. Once you understand that, okay, now how do you go and cultivate that relationship authentically over time? right? To have relationships that last 10, 20 years. Yeah. What does that look like? Because those are the relationships that, again, when disruption hits, they're the ones that pull you through. Those are the ones that have literally saved my my companies as a result of uh, their trust in me, regardless of the market. So that's really the next the next piece is, you, okay, how do I walk into that room or walk into that proverbial room, right? This industry that seems super intimidating and and connect with... The biggest influencers in that industry, um, yeah. or tangential to that industry, um, and and it becomes a really creative process too. I would yeah, have never yeah. thought.
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I think uh, I, I think fundamentally, like I, again, for a lot of people, as you say, it is quite intimidating. But I think there's also set something to be said for. For pushing yourself into it right like because because a lot of the time what i see is people that they ask the question like you know what's what can i give them but but really again for me networking is not necessarily that transactional right it's not about you know i give you something you give me something It it, it is in principle and longer run but my experience is the most successful people around uh, understand that generally it's about building great relationships right? and and again like my experience is definitely that That great people are always eager to help eager people and what I mean with that is that most people that have succeeded have succeeded at the back of other people and they're generally eager to help others around them Um, so that's my experience at least
1: I I love it could you I'm now I'm interviewing you for a second could you characterize eager like what are the what are the attributes or the or the, the 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 traits if you
0: will of that person Sure, I'll, I'll I'll tell you from my own perspective. So, so the key thing for me is I'm eager to help people who I feel want to. So, if someone is like, you know, showing up, they're half asleep, and they're like, "Hey, by the way, do you know anyone that want to buy my whatever?" Right, like that's not someone you naturally just want to like. Hey, I totally want to help that dude, right? But if if you can see someone is eager and hungry and and so on. Uh, at, at least from my point of view, you know, I, I love helping. And I I, I know that, like, I, I don't keep scores in any way. Like, my focus is not on, you know, if I help this person, will they help me back? Like, what, what life have taught me over time is that, you know, if you help enough people, uh, you know, eventually it comes back in one way or another. And it's often the people that you don't necessarily expect it to happen from that, that suddenly turn around and does amazing things for you.
1: I could, could not agree more. I've got a great friend who... Um, came out of legal industry. He was in he was in document storage before the document storage industry got completely disrupted, and now it's all online um, for for attorneys. So you know, printing and and all of that. Yep. And his best his best contact for referrals in the biggest law firm in his city was the lady at the front desk it wasn't one of the partners she had been there for 20 years she knew what they ate for breakfast who was having marital problems who you know and, and she could get you an appointment with them okay. if she liked you <laughs> but but if you didn't win her over it wasn't going to happen and so i love that that these people are not necessarily at the top of the organizational chart all the time right yep. and and but they own their work beautifully and you know what you said is hungry humble um people you know willing to do some of the grunt work as well and and great business owners the people who found the business they also mop the floor sometimes as well um and the only other thing i i would add as you're thinking about you know for me as i was growing my business i also wanted to network with people who were in growth phases of their business because when i figured out how to connect them to great clients or potential clients for them, other great people, if they were in a growth phase, they were going to be very hungry to to make that relationship work. And it would make me look really, really, really good when I made those connections for them. When they weren't, it was like, well, that's nice, but I've got a huge database and I'm kind of coasting out of the business now. And what I found is that that never worked nearly as well for me. So I, 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 I was very curious to get kind of your thoughts on it because it's it it matches up beautifully with what i what i've found to be the case as well um yeah. but that growth phase that growth mindset that people uh you know either have or they don't um is also you could almost add that to the to the influencer pyramid if you will
0: yeah, so one of, one of my absolute favorites, I mean, for many, many years, I've been a public speaker for, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. Uh, one, one place that I've always loved networking is something called Toastmasters.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, that what I love about Toastmasters is that it's, it's, it's not a very expensive organization, but it's basically a place where you go and challenge yourself and grow yourself to basically learn and grow your public speaking skills. Now, the key things is people generally pay for it out of their own pocket. And and, uh, on top of that, uh, it's often happens outside working hours, right? So what I love about it is the fact that people need to take initiatives themselves. So it's people who want to better themselves. It's people who want to improve their skills and they take their own free time to go and do it. My experience is that when I'm in a room with 20, 30, 40 of those kind of people, I'm in the right rooms, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. They've got skin in the game.
0: And and they put
1: their own skin in the game. 100%.
0: Hundred percent. And the whole, the whole thing is, when you go to an industry conference or whatever, and you know you meet a whole pile of people that are paid to show up, and you know they're there because the boss told them to be there, and they wanted a half a day off or whatever. Uh, you know that's that's often a different level of motivation. However, when you're when you're actually in situations surrounded by people who want to be in the room, who want to be in the room with you and with the people around you, uh, you know you are, you find so many more great people in my experience. And again, from all angles, I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm looking for people to hire uh, and I I wouldn't necessarily hire someone directly in that situation. But for me, again, it's about from a business standpoint, building a bench, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, the more great people, you know, when someday you have an opening and you actually know potential people, uh, then you're in a much, much better spot. Now, the, the other thing is when you actually get to know people before you actually hire them, you actually understand them so much better, right? Because when people are in an interview situation, you know, everyone put their best foot forward and all that good stuff. Um, Whereas if you actually get to know people, like you get to know the mentality, the mindset and all the important stuff much earlier in the process. And that will very much help you understand, you know, is this a person I would like to work with? Um, Mm. So so yeah, so many benefits for me in, in terms of, finding places where people grow and develop. Um, also, also, I mean, I've traveled around the world and there's also a lot of places where, you know, people meet to learn languages for free, for example. And while it's not as effective a, a group, from my experience, you can definitely still find great people, right? Because again, it's people who want to develop themselves and grow.
1: Absolutely. I, I know people have built businesses because they attend the same gym every single day. And, and, and that's where they network. That's where they start their networks. You, and, and one of the big principles I start with in the book and as I, as I train people in my own organizations is you're gonna start with people who know you. Those people who know you are gonna introduce you to people who they know. Maybe you, you've heard of them, but you don't really have a relationship with them. But when you are good enough to have authentic conversations with people who, who know you today, and get them to put their name to you and make intros to that next level of person, you've just expanded your network double at least. Now, when you're artful about the conversations you're having at that next level, you're gonna be introduced to people that you would have never been introduced to had you not really been in the talent game from the beginning. And so one of the things, I think you touched on it earlier, we. We, we are relatively bad at networking. And part of the reason is because we expect to walk in and find the needle in the haystack in a big networking room. We have this idea of a big conference and that's how we think about networking. What I wanna to propose to people is that networking is a day by day, one person at a time conversation that you're having to find talent. And when you know who you're looking for, and you're great at at finding the next person to make a great intro for you. And by the way, you become this person for others as well in the process because you build an amazing network. Your job should be every day have one meeting a day, connect two amazing people a day. By the way, guess what? Guess who they talk, to, talk about the first time that they meet? Well, it's you. You don't even have to be there, and and they're doing, you know, they're doing great marketing amongst each other about you when you do those two things every single day you set meetings and and you have them as well as as connect people it's game over think about what that would look like if over the course of a year you have 250 sit down one-on-one conversations with with people who you think could be candidates for the top of your pyramid
0: yeah, I love it. And, and that's exactly how I look at it as well. Right. Like uh, the, the way I tend to look at it, I've moved around a lot. I've lived in many different places. And my my favorite hack, whenever I get somewhere new where I know no one, I open LinkedIn and I literally message 100 people and I'll say, Hey, I'm new in town. Let's have coffee. And love it. you know, reality is, you know, I'll probably out of a hundred, depending on where in the world, I'll get somewhere to 20 between 20 and 50 responses of people saying, Hey, that sounds cool. And, you know, many times I, I don't really worry about, you know, am do I have value to offer them or anything like that? That's not my worry. I'm just looking at, you know, people I could potentially be interested in meeting and I hit them up. And here's the thing. No one does this. The reason why it still works is because even though it's so freaking simple, no one does it. And yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, I have a whole chapter on the art of those meetings how to have those meetings how to think about those meetings and prepare for those meetings as though you were interviewing real talent for your own your own growth because by the way you are Um, and and so what does that what does that meeting look like because it shouldn't be intimidating and it won't be intimidating if you prepare right for those now you're so practiced at it you can pick up a conversation but somebody who's just starting out at this or has not been in a business development organization before where they have to, they have to go bring in business. This could be really intimidating. So here's how to start it. What is really amazing is once you have those 20 or 30 or 50 meetings, guess what you have that the majority of the people that you just spoke to don't have? A network. You've got a network and you've got a network of people who were excited about meeting with you, who still remember your name. Now your job should be find the top 50% of those people. Look at those, look at those conversations that you've had, figure out what they need and who you can connect them to in your brand new network. And they will immediately see you as an important resource for their business. When people see you as a resource for their business, the gloves come off. They, they just, they'll let, they'll let it fly for you in terms of referrals, in terms of other connections. You know, the, the most influential people don't need you to send them business they trade sort of the, the exchange rate at the top of the pyramid with the most influential people in your neck of the woods whatever you're doing in your industry is wisdom and wisdom is transferred through other great influencers if you're in the business of knowing where the wisdom is and connecting it your business is gonna be great
0: Yep, yeah, i love it i love it i think uh, i mean i had a great example so i, I moved to the philippines many years ago and it literally took me after three months there, I've met so many people that the people who had been living there 10, 15 years were asking me constantly, do you know anyone for this? Do you know anyone that can do that? <laughs> do you know? And it was literally a three month process. Right. But the whole thing again, is I did the thing that no one else does, which is right. actually get started. But I, I love the consistency piece of your, of your sort of point earlier. Right. Like I, I think if, again, wherever you are, uh, if you can't afford to have at least one lunch meeting a week or one you know after work coffee with someone or something like that, like you're probably doing things the wrong way or you you are doing things the wrong way, right? Yeah um, so that's that, that's definitely how I look at it because again, like networking is network is worth so much to any business and yeah it's it j- just like working out, right? If you work out uh, three times a year, it's probably not giving you much. If you work out even 20 minutes every day, you're probably getting significant output, right? So it's, again, it's not about trying to network for 10 years uh, in a short span of time. It's about doing it on a consistent level. So I loved your message in regards to that.
1: Yeah. What's awesome about it too is it's a transferable asset. So your the trust that you establish is a transferable asset, and actually can cause enormous leverage as you scale your business. So people think, "Gosh, if I if I'm the networker, if I'm the person establishing the connection, everybody wants me." No, actually, when you're dealing with people at the top of the pyramid, most of them have significant leverage. They understand how that works, so they send you a piece of business, or they connect you to someone, and you've got great people in your organization who'd be better suited to, to have that relationship. You just let them know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to connect them to my business partner. I'm going to connect them to my ace. Who's an expert at this area for you. They go fantastic. Pat, I trust you implicitly. That's please connect me there. Now you've what you've, what you've begun establishing allows you enormous leverage. And and you know, this you've scaled businesses. Um, So this is, Uh, But I think this is one of the biggest things that stands in the way of small businesses oftentimes, and oftentimes managers, is the belief that you're indispensable when it comes to the relationships. And actually, the better your relationships are, the more transferable they are and the more leverage you're going to have.
0: Yeah, not just that. I mean, I just see it again as a value add, right? Like the, the whole thing is even if I refer them to someone in my team, the whole thing exactly as you said, if you if you sell it the right way, it's actually a benefit, not a disadvantage. Um, because you can again you can connect them to the right person with the right skill set. And obviously they don't necessarily know what you know versus some of your staff know. So it's not just for me that it's transferable, but I think the whole the the whole piece is that it's it's movable in a sense that that it's flexible, right? So you can you can push it one direction one day and another direction another day. And, and the same thing when just when you're looking for people, right? like when you're when you're networking with people around you, a lot of the time people are like, oh, you know, I don't know anyone who'll buy his product or her product or whatever, right? But just you might not, but here's the thing. you might not know a great person that they will get along with extremely well that you know they would love to hang out with. And and here's the thing, if you meet a lot of great people with similar good mindsets, um, a a lot of time just doing an introduction and say, hey, do you know Peter over here? He's in this industry or whatever. And, you know, he it sounds like you guys are both golfers or whatever. Uh, You know, I, I think you guys would love meeting each other. So, I mean, yes, of course, if you can bring someone business, that's the next level step. But even when you're relatively new at it, even if you connect great people who you think will connect well or have similar hobbies or the likes, like you're still adding value to their life, right? You don't necessarily have to generate business to be a connector.
1: Well, and, and that's precisely it. And that is really what I attack at the beginning of my book in the lead generation mindset, right? Lead generation is something we categorically talk about in our, in our, profit and loss, right? But the mindset is, if you can't transact with me right now, I don't have anything for you. The mindset of somebody in, t- in the talent game and the people at the top of organizations is my job is to be a curator of great advice, great wisdom, and great people who are the transferers of those, of those two things. When I do that, everything else becomes easier or completely obsolete. Right, that's the sort of the, the question in Gary Keller's book, "The One Thing." Talk what what can I do such that everything else becomes easier or obsolete? And this is that's why I wrote this book: is is how can we focus on the most essential thing that seems easy, but but it does hard because it causes a lot of us to have to come out of ourselves and do things that um, we haven't we're not practiced at. But once you do it, gosh. I, you know, I know so many people have been doing sort of the, the old school lead gen, pound the phones, you know, constantly message people, you know, do all, all sorts of lead generation things. And they're great for three, four, five years. The burnout rate on lead generation over the course of someone's career, I, I was in a in a class of people and I, 40 great business owners, totally different industries. And I said, write down the type of of lead generation that you have right now that you can, you can bridge the gap between where you are, where you want to be by the end of the year in terms of your revenue, write that down. And they all wrote it down. And I said, now, how many of you are excited to implement that lead generation strategy for the next three to five years, 40 people in the room, nobody raised their hand. There's a serious problem when business owners know that there are things that they could do to bring in business, but they don't have any deep motivation to do them it's not that you are not a motivated person it's that you're focusing on something that actually is less fulfilling and um and and that's to me what i'm really passionate about is how can you do something for the next 20 or 30 years and be more excited about it 20 years from now because of and, and we all know what this looks like if you establish the right relationships and you go deeper with them, you're going to have a better business. They're going to refer you talent internally and externally, and you're going to enjoy that process more. By the end of your career, you should be hanging out with amazing friends yep. who are all invested into your success and you and theirs. So that's the big picture. Uh, and and the question is, okay, how do we go implement it? And that's, that's what I spend most of my time trying to help people with fantastic patrick
0: listen it's been an amazing conversation love to talking network and i love your view on it and um, if people are eager to get hold of you what's the best way to do so
1: yeah easiest is just to go to my website uh patrickkilner.com p-a-t-r-i-c-k k-i-l-n-e-r or and this will bring you to the same place find your Um, that's the, that's going to be bringing to the same place. And on that site, if people want, you can read a free chapter of my book. So you can download a free chapter of the book. Um, and, and it's yours for the taking, you kick the tires on it and see if, if it's something that's beneficial to you. Um, you can also sign up for my weekly emails that, that give different ideas behind this find your six concept. And, um, And there's all sorts of other fun things on there, but but those are two resources that I I think might be useful for folks.
0: Fantastic, Patrick. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a fantastic conversation.
1: Mazza, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. Thank
1: you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the
0: world to us. You can also learn more about management at MadSingers.com.